Welcome to Legally Groomed Positive Cash Flow. This podcast's focus is towards the pet grooming industry, but other small businesses may also benefit. Whether you are looking to start your own pet grooming business or you have been in business for many years, my goal is to help you scale your business, save money and taxes, and create a business that grows your wealth. Consider this podcast as that spoonful of sugar which can help the medicine go down. My name is Chris Lights. I am an enrolled agent specializing in helping small businesses with their taxes and accounting needs. My mission is to empower you through the knowledge to create that positive cash flow in your day-to-day business activities. Remember, the information we share is for educational purposes only, not individual tax advice. Now that we got that out of the way, let's start the show. So welcome to podcast number seven. Today we're going to talk about an S-Corp, some advantages as well as some requirements that you would need to consider. So what is an S-Corp? An S-Corp is a corporation that has elected to pass corporate income, losses, deductions, and credits through to their shareholder for federal tax purposes. So S-Corps are not considered an entity. They are an election which means that if you are an LLC or you have a C corporation, you can choose to be elected to be treated as an S-Corp. And what that means for a LLC that's a single member, they don't have to file on a Schedule C with their 1040 and have that self-employment tax. For corporations, it's a way for them to minimize the corporate tax because if when you are a regular C corporation, your income of your corporation is actually taxed double, as many of you probably have heard. So as corporations have provided a better tax opportunity or tax savings opportunity for you. So pretty much what happens is the shareholders of an S corporation will report the any kind of flow through income and losses onto your personal tax return and then you're actually assessed at whatever your individual tax rates are. Again, this allows S corporations to avoid that double taxation on corporate income. There are some times in an S corporation may be responsible for tax on certain built-in gains and passive entities, rather passive income at the entity level. As most of my clients are groomers like yourselves, you are not dealing with passive income as much. You are dealing with a way to save money on your taxes. So what are some of the requirements to be an S-Corp? Well, first, you need to be a domestic corporation. That means that you need to set up your LLC or your corporation within the United States. So it cannot be a foreign corporation. You also have restrictions on who can be shareholders. Namely, you have to be either a U.S. citizen or a legal resident of the United States. So this could be individuals, trusts, and estates, but it cannot be partnerships, other corporations, or non-resident aliens. That means that somebody from outside the United States, if they want to invest in your business, they cannot. And also there is that a limitation where you can only have 100 shareholders at the max. 
There is a requirement that you can only have one class of stock, but again, this is not an issue that I see because usually I'm dealing with single member LLCs or maybe there are two who were partners, they were an LLC and they decided to do the S-Corp election. And then there are some ineligible corporations, not things that we really need to worry about, but they would include certain financial institutions, insurance companies, and domestic international sales corporations. Again, that's pretty much not something that you need to worry about. So, how do you make the S-Corp election? To do this, it's not a passive activity. I've had a number of times, they would tell me that they are an LLC, and I ask, did you do the S-Corp election? And they don't know. And there's one of two things at play. Either they were advised to do the S-Corp and they had somebody do everything for them, but they really were not paying attention and they were not properly advised, or they did just did not actually do the paperwork to become an S-Corp. And that paperwork comes in the form of 2553, which is an election by a small business corporation that you want to be an S-Corp and it's got to be signed by all shareholders. So once that form is filled out and it would need to be sent to the IRS, it is usually, you can go back two and a half months, 75 days. And that's usually why the deadline to be a S-Corp effective January 1st of the year means that you want to do that S-Corp election before March 15th of that same year. So if this is something that you're looking for in 2023, what you want to do is you want to make sure to do that election within that first couple of months of the year. Now, in order to do that, you already need to have either the LLC already set up or a corporation set up. You can't go from a sole proprietor to an S-Corp without taking that step. And then the first effective day would be the effective day for when you became an LLC. As I have said a number of times already, if you are a brand new business and you are have been working as a sole proprietor, it's just you, or you got the LLC, and this is, you're just starting your business, don't jump into an S-Corp yet. Please give yourself at least a year so that you can get used to having a business. That's already going to be a huge learning curve, and you don't want to have to add in all these other issues. Have something slip through the cracks and then it takes more time and more expense to fix. So that is my professional opinion. If you are a LLC and you're a partner with somebody other than your spouse, you might want to consider an S-Corp. Just like I mentioned last week in our partnership podcast, I don't like partnerships. I think that if there's only two There is too much of an issue that if one person decides they no longer want to continue, you have to dissolve the whole partnership and start anew. At least when you're an S-Corp, you don't have to go through all of that resetting up. Okay, so some of the information that is required to be on that Form 2553 is you need to have the legal name of the entity, and your EIN. So if you are an LLC, you need to have a 
EIN for that LLC, you need to have when you became incorporated, and that includes the LLC. So they consider that the date you got notice from the Secretary of State that you are now an LLC would be that date of incorporation. You'll want to have, which is the effective date of election, which again is when you want to start the S Corp. And again, my suggestion, it's so much easier if you do it for the first of the year versus in mid-year, unless you are starting mid-year and you are a multi-member partnership. You know, wait until the beginning of the year. Otherwise, you're looking at having to have two separate sets of books. One for the first part of the year when you're still filing as a Schedule C filer and the other part as a for the S-Corp because it's so important with an S-Corp just as with the LLC is where you are first making sure that you don't commingle your personal and business expenses. And the other thing is that for the S-Corp, you are going to need other reports, the financial reports, and having a bookkeeping system like an automated one, QuickBooks. When you have QuickBooks and not the self-employed version, I usually suggest for my small businesses, get the Simple Start version. And then as your information is fed in through your bank and stuff like that, you'll be able to pull out a profit and loss statement, which your tax preparer will need, as well as a balance sheet, which becomes more of an issue, especially as your gross receipts increase. Once you have $250,000 or more in gross receipts, you must include a balance sheet on your 1120S. And it's easier to get this set up from the beginning and not have to go in during the year and get everything updated. It just, again, takes more time your time and more money. So other information on the form 2553 is, of course, you're going to select the type of tax year. Pretty much for LLC, S-Corps, you're going to want to do a calendar year. Sometimes if you've already been a corporation for a while and you want to do the S-Corp instead of the C-Corp and you've been working on a fiscal calendar, you can do that. The 2553 actually is four pages, but most small businesses that I've been working with are only doing the first two pages. The first page is the information that I'm sharing here. You'll also include the name and title of the legal representative, as well as the signature of the office, which is if you're a single member LLC and you are going to do the S-Corp, it is pretty much yourself. You can put in as a title, either you could put in as a managing member, or you can put in as a president, vice president, you know, depending on how you set that up. On page two actually is where you would have your shareholders and you will list all of your shareholders. Again, remember you are limited to 100 shareholders. I usually haven't seen more than two shareholders on any of the forms that I fill out for my clients as they are small businesses. So there also are some compliance issues. And one of the issues is that technically 
S-Corps are required to hold, at a minimum, a shareholder and director meeting annually. Now, if you are a single member, LLC, S-Corp, it's just you. So you might want to, in the beginning of the year, it's as just like you do your New Year's resolutions, just write something up of when you are going through this. You might want to, if you have any plans to do distributions through the year, you can write that down. You're just going to summarize it and then you're going to just sign it and just keep it on the side. So a big compliance issue is the reasonable compensation. When you as a shareholder are performing day-to-day activities for the S-Corp, you're considered an employee and you're required to be compensated via payroll such as the reasonable compensation. And that needs to take priority over any distributions. What the IRS is actually looking at to determine reasonable compensation is your training and experience, your duties, responsibilities, how many hours you are actually working, and what comparable businesses pay for similar services. So as a brunt of your work as groomers is grooming, you want to look at how much time you're putting in. You want to look at something like salary.com and put in where you live, your position. Also, another good one is the Outlook for the, through the labor department. This is where you can put in that you know you are taking care of pets. You're not vets, but it'll give you where you are and approximate what a, the amount would be that if you were looking for a job as a groomer, how much you would you pay for that? So I definitely suggest that amount. And one of the things that, because the absence of any kind of reasonable compensation, like if you are providing a S-Corp tax return and you're not showing any kinds of officer wages, then you're at risk for the IRS to be going into looking at your distributions and have that reclassified as payroll. And what's going to happen then is that you are looking at having to pay what you would have paid if you were self-employed. You have both sides of the Social Security and Medicare, and you have it, it's just going to cost you money later. So it's better to do this right off. So another thing with being a shareholder employee is that technically if you are greater than a 2% S-Corp corporation shareholder and pretty much if you are the only one you're 100 percent and if you are partners with somebody it might be 50 50 so this is definitely where you need to be aware of it health insurance and any accident insurance premiums paid on your behalf are not deducted on your s-corp return the way it is for non-shareholder employees. For non-shareholder employees, those can be deducted as employee benefits. But when it comes to a shareholder employee, what happens is the amount that you are paying for yourself needs to actually go and it's reported as wages on your W-2. And it is subject to income tax withholding. Now, it is not subject to Social Security, Medicare, or unemployment. And there is 
a way that you can have the amount that you're paying deducted as an adjustment, but this is just a rule for shareholder employees. Now, this amount, like I said, is not subject to the Social Security or Medicare. And it still shows as a business deduction, but since it's all part of your wages, it's shown differently versus employees. One of the things that I wanted to just go over is to give you an idea of when I actually would suggest that a client look into becoming an S-Corp. I did a calculation earlier and like I had said, you know, first of all, if it's your first year, hold off. But if you see at that end of the first year that you were doing well and you can foresee that you would be taking out probably about $40,000 more in drawers, that's when you would probably want to look into the S-Corp. So what I had done actually is I went into a planner and I pulled out two comparisons using the 2021 year, tax year. Of course, 2022, there's going to be changes as each year, but I thought this gave a real good idea. So let's say that your Schedule C for 2022 has you showing a net income of $50,000. Well, the amount, and um, right now I'm going to go with that there's no state tax, just going into the federal. So for, if you're a Schedule C filer, that means you're a sole proprietor or an LLC, non-S-Corp, the amount of taxes that you would owe on that $50,000 would be about $10,121. And that takes it as if you were single. So of course, if you are married, that's going to change. But I've only used this particular income. You had no other income at all. So now if you are an S-Corp, and let's say you took wages of $40,000 and you still had a net income of about $5,800 after you had kind of included any kind of employment taxes you would pay as the employer, which for an S-Corp, those are deductible. But when you are a Schedule C, you cannot deduct any of the self-employment taxes. So that actually showed a refund of three. So I went a little another step forward and pretty much what I looked at was you are single, you live in California, your net income for 2022 is $40,000. If you made no estimated payments during the year, you're looking at a federal tax bill of $7,814 and a California amount due of $633. Now, if you take that same $40,000 of net income and let's say those become your wages and you put 10% on the side for each week, you're looking at a refund of like $1,046. And in California, if you just withhold like $25 per paycheck on a weekly basis, you're gonna actually get a refund as well of 550. So I kind of use that $40,000 now as a benchmark. If I see a client that is nearing that amount and they are going to be, you know, their business is growing, that's when I would talk to them about all the possibilities with an S-Corp. But if 
the amount that they are actually able to draw. And it's always possible in your first year or two that you may not make the money. You Because depending on your setup, you may ha be having higher expenses. So you might not be able to make those draws. So you might want to wait another year. It's just something that I found that is very helpful. Now, some areas that I will be going over in weeks to come that are also relatable to S-Corp is that when you are an S-Corp shareholder owner, you cannot deduct home office expenses like you do on a schedule with your schedule C. There is no home office form for the 1120S. So one of the things that you would need to do is you need to actually do an accountable plan. And what this means is that this should be done quarterly. And this is where you can have the business reimburse you and then it becomes a business expense. So I am going to go a little bit more in depth with that probably in the beginning of the year. If you are hiring your child, first of all, you want to make sure that you are hiring a child that is actually able to do what you would like to kind of have them do. You can't just have them on payroll as a form of lowering your taxes in that way. And if you're an S-Corp, you cannot be exempt from the employment taxes like you can be when you are a sole proprietor on a Schedule C. And another thing that we will be covering a little bit more in depth is retirement planning. And I know for myself in 20. 23 I will be doing a I will be doing a 401k for me and my employee where it will be both advantageous because there'll be a retirement plan for me since I've not really been doing too much of that yet as well as a business and personal income tax deduction again remember just because I do taxes, it doesn't mean I love taxes. It is just my livelihood. So I really hope that this has helped. If you have any questions, let me know. I think an S-Corp is a great option if you are in the correct position to do that. Because there are a lot of requirements and it is so much easier to start off on the right foot versus taking that leap, not understanding everything, and then finding that it's actually costing you more than it is saving you. If you have any questions, don't forget to send me an email. Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today. Are you looking for more tax and accounting help for your grooming business? Are you feeling a little adrift at everything that you need? Do you want to start out on a positive foundation or possibly fix your foundation? First, contact me at legallygroomed.com and check out my website. I invite you to join our Facebook group, Tax Issues for Self-Employed Groomers. We are a lively group that work as a community and you will not feel judged for your questions. I try where I can to provide examples when sometimes just seeing the numbers can help. Don't forget to follow the Legally Groomed Podcast, Positive Cash Flow, and listen as you groom. Click the link above.